Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of The Ride. I'm Nicole. And I'm Michaela. And uh, we're back. Thanks again for covering for me last time, Michaela. I got a little bit of swamp trying to get the magazine out the door. We've had a couple uh, roadblocks getting in the way, so I had to dedicate a little more time to that than I originally had planned. So I wasn't able to record with Michaela last time, but I am back. Yeah, it's a lot more fun with you, Nicole. Um, recording by myself isn't nearly as fun. Well, I listened to it and you did a great job. And, um, you know, sometimes this is the life of a magazine editor. Sometimes we have to, uh, you know, get drug into other um, things that we're working on. And, and so, unfortunately, while I was able to do the interview with Jane, which I absolutely loved... Um, I wasn't able to help do the intro um, to kind of get things kicked off. So thank you again for for taking over as hosting duties. And um, But we're back this week, and we are talking with Jessica McAllister, and she is involved with the AQHA Youth World Cup. So this year, so they've been doing the Youth World Cup for a very long time. I don't know. Are you familiar with it, Michaela? Vaguely, not a whole lot. So explain some more. So um, every couple of years, I want to say every two years, um, they have the World Cup and every country, not every country, I'm sorry, but countries who are participating in it put together a team and then those uh, riders get to travel somewhere. Um, The last one I got to attend took place in uh, College Station, Texas. So they... um, they travel everywhere and then a bunch of horses are donated and each team gets a certain amount of horses and then they're, they, uh, pick what riders are going to compete in what events. And then they work with the horses and, you know, you get a very large range of horses. It can be anywhere from like a finished like world champion to a horse that has never gone and shown before. So they try to like level the playing field out to make sure that, you know, Every team has at least one really good horse. and um, But this year, they're actually making it a virtual event because of COVID-19. Obviously, since it's an international event, it's really hard to keep something like this in the books. I know that the AQHA World Shows are going on right now, and the Youth World went on earlier this year. But they um, they weren't able to do the World Cup in person like they had originally planned. So their way of keeping it from having to be canceled is doing a virtual event. So we're going to talk with Jessica, and she's going to explain a little bit more about the World Cup, how important it is, and, you know, kind of the challenges they're facing as a virtual event. Yeah, I think this will be so fun to learn about just because, I mean, it just goes along with the rest of 2020 and trying to navigate it as the horse show life and just horse life in general has just been a challenge for this year. So I think, like you said, it will be a lot of fun chatting with her. So kind of, I, I'm really excited for everybody to listen to that. But before we go into that, we're going to talk about a couple of current events that are happening right now. Um, as Michaela mentioned last time that we just we're getting the magazine out the door. So I'm really hoping that you guys love this issue as much as I do. Uh, there was a lot of love that put into it. Um, I'm really, really excited about the cover photo. But um, outside of the magazine, Michaela and I have also been really busy producing video shoots. Michaela was just in Texas, which she, she can talk a little bit about. And then I've had a couple of 
different video shoots here in Colorado that I've been producing. Yeah, we have been crazy busy doing everything that you can possibly imagine. But um, yeah, like Nicole said, I recently went to Texas and did three video shoots back to back to back. Uh, I started out with barrel racer Molly Powell. We actually have an episode with Molly. Um, it's one of the earlier episodes in season two. So if you aren't familiar with Molly Powell and her barrel racing and her story, go back to, I believe it's episode 17, and you can check out that episode with Molly. But we have so many videos of barrel racing with her. We've kind of crept into the barrel racing world of videos and our subscribers to Horse and Rider On Demand seem to really like that. So we reached out to Molly, who is a living legend in the sport of barrel racing and is very knowledgeable and is an excellent teacher. She can break things down super simple for anybody that's, you know, a seasoned competitor like myself in the barrel racing. I learned a lot. Or somebody who's just getting started in the barrel racing, she just breaks it all down and makes it specific, but also great for those who know about the sport and just want to keep growing as a rider. And then the following day, um, myself and other editor, Chelsea Schaefer, went to RL Chartier and Winston Hansma's place. And we did video shoots on the first day with RL and the second day with Winston. And those are cutting videos if you aren't familiar with their names. And I am not super familiar with the world of cutting. And that was just a breakdown 101 of cutting with Winston and then a more in-depth day with RL. So between all of the videos that are coming new to Horse and Rider On Demand, we have a very expansive library that is full of a variety of trainers with different programs. And then we always have our tried and true trainers Bud and Brad, who are on-demand experts that have been with us from the very beginning, but we are just continuing to grow and expand. And Nicole has also been, like she said, on video shoots, and it's just a nonstop world. So, Nicole, who are you working with? Yeah, so um, we originally had Ryan rushing in the books during this Texas video shoot, which is why we sent Michaela instead of myself, because I had already committed to a different video shoot you know Michaela is a barrel racer and I have experience in the reining industry so it kind of made sense to send Michaela to the barrel racing one while I stayed for the reining one however due to the fires um we weren't able to record so we ended up rescheduling for this week but unfortunately we then after the fires got a ton of snow which we're so thankful for but Ryan doesn't really have a large indoor arena and so we really need his outdoor to be able to produce the video that we really want so we're going to reschedule that one for the third time and hopefully get some really good content um, before he heads off to the fraternity but I also have the opportunity to work with Monique Potts we've also had Monique Potts on the podcast before so you guys kind of got to know a little bit more about her she has a big um background in not only the cow horse and the dressage um, but she also grew up with the Buck Branham and stuff and she does a lot of natural horsemanship and so she tries to combine both of those so I'm really excited for those videos because we break down you know um, trailering issues groundwork safety you know all these things that people tend to forget um, we also do some basic trail riding stuff 
kind of like um, crossing ditches and, and just getting your horse desensitized before you go out on the trail. So I'm really excited about that. So I, you know, those will hopefully be out before the new year. And, um, you know, if you haven't already checked out on demand, we have a seven day free trial. So be sure to check it out and tell us what you think. And, and we hope that these help you with your training. But um, kind of switching gears and going a different direction, we want to learn more about what you like about our podcast. We have done some changes in season two, and as we're heading into the new year, we want to know if you're liking what we're doing or if you want us to change it up a little bit. Yeah, so be sure to visit our website. We have a survey on there, um, and like Michaela said, we just really want to know what you guys are thinking you know, are you enjoying the format? Do you want to hear more of something? You know, are you liking the professionals and the and the horse owners that we're bringing on to this podcast? Because in the end, you know, we're making this podcast for you guys. So we want to make sure that it is something that you enjoy listening to every week. Yeah. So you can go to horseandrider.com like Nicole mentioned, or I have linked the survey in the podcast notes. So you're able to access it there, but no matter how you access the, um, the survey please take the survey so we know what you guys are liking and how to make this podcast fit for you guys so anyway i think nicole and i are going to jump into this interview hope you guys enjoy Hey guys, so today we are here with Jessica McAllister, who is a chairman on the AQHA Youth World Cup, and it's a virtual competition this year because of COVID-19. So we thought we'd have her come on here and kind of explain what's going on and um, what what's going to be different or new about it. So um, a while back, I actually attended the the regular World Cup um, back when it was in College Station, and it was such a cool experience because when I was a youth kid, I didn't get to do that. Um, it was a thing, but I just never had the chance to join one of the teams or the years. And so it was really cool to see all the countries come together. So I was really bummed to hear that it got canceled, obviously, because of COVID. You know, international travel is really difficult right now. So we thought we'd have Jessica come on here and kind of explain what they're doing to, um, you know, keep the spirit alive. So, Jessica, I'll let you go ahead and explain a little bit about your position and what you guys are doing to make this happen this year. Perfect. I'm so excited to be on the show and talk about this. It's been a wild couple months planning it. It started out as just like a small little idea that Team USA proposed to the other countries, and it quickly evolved into a huge event. We have almost 12 teams competing, um, and there's six riding events, including horsemanship, showmanship, ranch riding, equitation, trail, and reining. And we also have some non-riding events for team members that maybe don't want to ride but want to participate. And we have a lifting contest, a scrapbook contest, an art challenge. And then we also have a patriotic freestyle, which has been a lot of fun. I mean, we kind of left it open to the teams to do whatever they want to do. It can be any event on a horse. They can have as much fun as, with it as they want. And before you, we started this uh, recording, you kind of explained that the youth committee or the, the committee is, is made up of youth from all around the world. Um, can you kind of break that down and what that's been like? Yeah. So we wanted um, kids to be involved with this and involved in the planning, not only to get that experience, but 
we didn't want just one team to be um, controlling all the planning and everything. So we put together a committee and we asked teams to nominate one of their team members. And we have members from Israel, um, Paraguay, Canada, France, just to name a few. And so I am the chairman of the committee. And then we also have um, Michelle Fornis as our show manager. She's in charge of running the show and doing entries. Um, just because we're showing, we don't want to be in charge of that. And we don't want, we want it to be as fair as possible. And then Don Forrest has also been a huge part in communicating with other countries and um, just keeping everything organized. They've been, we could not do this without them. Yeah, and uh, Michelle and Don both have some some real experience with the regular World Cup. So I'm sure it's like super handy to have them uh, kind of there to help guide, especially I, you know, you guys are so young and I, I love that you guys have the spirit and passion to, to make something happen when, you know, things just didn't go according to plan instead of, you know, just getting bummed about it. Like you guys made something happen. So that's really, really cool. Can you, um, do you know off the top of your head, which countries are competing? Um, yes. So team Australia, Germany, USA, Norway, Switzerland, Denmark, Belgium, Italy, New Zealand, Canada, France, Israel. We have quite a few. It's been a wow. lot of fun interacting, yeah, with the other kids. Mm -hmm. So what exactly is it like working with the other kids from the other countries? And how did you guys work together to put together the virtual World Cup? So we've done a couple Zooms, which was a little difficult to plan with all the different time zones. But um, I found the perfect time at 3 p.m. is pretty much good for everybody, I think, in New Zealand. It's early for them. It's like seven in the morning, but it was the only time I could figure out that we could do this. But I mean, for the most part, the language barrier hasn't been too bad. Um, and so I actually know a couple of the other kids from the, that's on the committee just because I was on Team USA in 2018 when it was in College Station. So it's nice seeing like friendly faces and already like putting a face to the name. And so that's been a lot of fun. But I mean, the kids have been great. They are eager to help plan this and they want to be involved in this. And it's been really fun interacting with them. So what part do, does like each individual kid do? Like what exactly is your role within the Virtual World Cup? And like what are the different roles that other kids play? So my role is really to keep everybody organized and on track and like, plan the Zoom meetings, and then I am like the middle person between Michelle for, uh, Fornis, Don, and the kids on the committee. And so if Michelle and Don have any questions, um, for example, we were talking about like what bits were legal or like what rules we were going to follow. And so I email the committee and I ask them for their input and then they let me know and then I kind of am just like the mediator between them. So um, has the virtual competition started already or when does, when does that kind of begin and how are you, how are you handling the videos and the entries and all of that? So the videos have been, have started to be submitted. Um, so this event is kind of running all throughout November. So videos could be submitted starting November 1st and then we'll do the awards on November 30th 
we actually talked to the Keeping It Real show. We're talking about doing the awards live on there, but there's like specific days that we want the um, classes submitted. So for example, horsemanship submitted November 1st through the 3rd. And we have allowed some wiggle room because there's been some issues with some of the countries and like COVID and everything that's going on. And so all the videos have to be submitted no later than the 19th, but we're trying to stick to the schedule as close as possible just because we want it to be easy on Michelle because she's, so all the teams are sending her the writing videos and um, she has to upload them. We started a YouTube channel that's like, right now it's private so that um, the other teams can't access it before the judges can view it. Um, so the judges will be able to watch the videos, um, do the results and everything. And then on November 30th, the YouTube channel will go live so that all the videos can be seen by the other teams. And then the non-writing videos are sent to me and I've been saving them. And then as soon as I get them all from the countries, I will post them to Facebook. And then the non-writing videos are actually getting judged by all the other teams. So <laughs> it's been, it's a cool way to get them involved and like interacting with, with each other. Cause that's the whole point of the youth world cup. Well, and so I'm not super familiar with the World Cup in general. So can we kind of backtrack and you explain specifically what the Youth World Cup is and what it's normally like and how this has changed it, just so I can know and our audience who maybe isn't familiar with the event can learn more about it? Yeah, of course. So the Youth World Cup, so I was there in College Station in 2018, and we were there for 10 days. And we spent one week getting to know the horses. You get assigned a group of horses and they're kind of rated. You get one weaker horse and then one stronger horse and then like some in-between horses. And these horses may not know anything. and You kind of have to teach them. Like we had one horse in 2018 that didn't know how to do the showmanship. But you have to use each horse in at least one class. And so we taught that horse showmanship and I, it ended up being reserved. And so that was really cool. But yeah, you get a week getting to know the horses and only the riders can ride the horses and be on the horses, but the leadership kids can be involved and they're a huge part of the team. And so I went for leadership in 2018. So it was a great way. You have more time to interact with the other kids because they put on different events and like games and they want you to interact with each other because that's the whole reason it's being held. And so we, Team USA was, got to know Australia really well. We had a lot of great friends from there, and I still talk to them, actually. And so that's really cool. But, um, and then so you show. And normally at the Youth World Cup, there's also cutting and hunter and a saddle. But with it being virtual, it was a little difficult to do those classes. And especially since some countries don't have access to cutters. So we wanted to make it fair for all the teams. Um, but in person, you're there for 10 days and you're with your team the entire time. And it's like set out, you go to the barn at six in the morning, you guys, you, your team and all the other teams are riding on buses out to the facility and you're just with each other constantly for 10 days. Well, and I think another really cool thing about the World Cup when it is in person is that they also bring in a lot of clinicians and trainers who kind of help these kids because 
Um, you know, the access that we have to horse trainers in the United States varies um, for other countries who don't have access to those trainers. Um, and so it's, it was really cool to see, you know, these professionals, you know, dedicate their time to come help these kids and kind of give them a once in a life experience. I know um, our friend to the brand and horse and rider on demand, Bud Lion, he's been really involved in the past. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, they get them for everybody. I think an, another friend, Jenny Jordan, Robin Fred, um, they've been all involved in it. And so you get these really big names and trainers who have won some pretty big stuff coming together to like help these kids learn and just have that, you know, once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. Cause some of these kids, I mean, they've never done the reining or the cutting. And so the clinicians help teach them how to do the basics and try to get them through the pattern. And it's a great learning opportunity for everybody involved. So how does this translate into the virtual event? So are kids riding their own horses or how does that part work? So we ask all the kids not to use their own horses. They have to be owned by someone else. Um, and they're not allowed to be world champions because we did not want any world champions thrown in um, just to keep the playing field even. Um, and then we also did some clinics and like ride the pattern. So Brad Jewett did the horsemanship and the showmanship, I believe. He posted, um, he showed the videos on the Keeping It Real show. And then Tim Kamira, who designed the trail pattern for the Virtual Youth World Cup, he also did the ride the pattern for that. And it's on the Keeping It Real show as well. So we wanted to incorporate that aspect of it into the Virtual Youth World Cup. And um, we tried to do our best that way, but it was a little difficult just because, I mean, not everybody has access to a camera with that quality that they could record it or anything along those lines. But we did want this to be a learning opportunity for the kids as well. So how, so, so can you kind of break down a little bit more about like the rules? I know you mentioned something about coming up with bit requirements and, and tack and gear and, and um, maybe talk a little bit about like how you guys create, you know, how they have to turn in their videos to where it's, um, you know, the same so that you can judge the pattern at the same angle. I'm sure that's kind of important because in a traditional arena, the judges are all going to sit in the same part of the pattern. So can you kind of break down the challenges that you've had and, and how you guys have come up with rules to kind of keep this fair and, and, you know, a level playing field for everyone? Yeah. So the videos are a little difficult because I mean, the kids can run through the pattern as many times as they want and you wouldn't know um, you're just seeing the one final product. But we ask the videos to not be cut. You cannot do half the pattern and then like edit it with another pattern. You cannot do that. Um, the trail is split into two videos, the slow obstacles and then the like trots and the lopes. Um, but there are specific camera placements for the trail and the showmanship, I believe. But the other classes, I mean, teams started recording really early um, as soon as the patterns came out. And we didn't really have like specific guidelines and we didn't know what arenas they had access to. So um, Michelle designed the patterns where they, it was, it could be set up and easy for the kids to do in any arena size. So we basically, we just asked them to place the camera at an angle that would, that the judges could see everything and you weren't like hiding anything along those lines. Um, and then you, there could be no music. You had to have the volume on, especially for the trail. 
Um, you had to have back numbers visible. And when you submit the videos, you cannot put your name, team, or horse of any kind. Like the judges can only know your back number when they judge it. Because um, we don't want any like, oh, they favored this country and whatnot. And we have two judges judging each class. We have a USA judge, an AQHA, um, an SBA judge, and an international judge. Um, so there's two for each class. And then um, I'm trying to think. We fo we're following AQHA rules and guidelines regarding bits and legal equipment. And one of the reasons we did that is because AQHA has generously um, donated all the awards and they're sponsored all the awards for the event. And so it's really fun. Um, the awards, we have buckles for all the class winners. And we did medallions for first through fifth and the kids are really excited about that. We would not be able to put this event on without AQHA support. Really the main rules and guidelines we ask um, just to be fair and present the best pro project we can. No, I think that sounds like so much fun, not only to be a competitor, but to do it from your point of view and being so hands-on with the event and doing all of the little intricate parts of planning. And so I guess my question is more specifically for you personally. How do you think that this has helped develop you and working with the AQHA has helped develop you as with life skills and as a person outside of the show pen? I mean, I've gained a ton of life experience planning this event. I've had the opportunity to talk to people in high up positions in AQHA. And um, I have been just interacting with so many different people, coaches, kids from other countries. Um, I've learned how to basically plan an entire event. Um, I'm trying to think. I've just learned so much from this opportunity. You definitely get a, uh, a different perspective when you come from the horse show world, but now you're putting on the horse show and it definitely changes your perspective. And I don't know about you, but when I was, um, I used to help Michelle Fornes run the horse shows, which is why I'm familiar with the world cup from the management standpoint, but it gives you a lot of appreciation for those guys putting in all the hours in the show office and organizing everything and making sure everything goes according to plan. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I've never had um, the history with planning a show at all. And so Michelle and Don have really taught me a lot of organizational skills, planning, everything along those lines. And it's been great because Michelle was in charge of the 2018 Youth World Cup. And um, we've also asked Jacqueline White, who helped Michelle in 2018. She's been helping us figure out the YouTube channel and Facebook and how we want to put these videos out into the public. So going back to um, the YouTube, you had said that before um, the judging, people can't see other people's rides, which I like because then you can't compare yourself or or try and fix anything before submitting. Um, is there going to be a way for the general public to see these videos? Is um, I know you said something about maybe doing a live uh, award ceremony or something. Or is there a way that the, the general public can be part of the World Cup, even though it's not happening in person this year? 
Yes, of course. That's what we wanted to do. Um, the videos will be made public um, November 30th once the awards are done. And we'll definitely air that throughout Facebook, make sure everybody knows and can see it. And so the Keeping It Real show, when we do the awards live, we will we want to do like the winning runs and maybe get some teams on through like FaceTime or something like that and see their reactions. Um, but we definitely want to get people involved and for them to be able to watch the videos and be like, why did this person win? And you can watch it. And then not only can you learn from it, but you can kind of see where what you want to like fix and improve and like have create goals. Yeah, I think that that will be really interesting to go back and you, you always can learn from other people and obviously it's not the same as sitting, you know, in the warm up pen watching other people and working with other people and asking questions, but being able to view those videos will be a lot of help to, you know, further the younger kids careers in the show pen. But you mentioned earlier about the fun things that were going to be happening throughout the event. Can you touch again on those and what they are and if those will be able to be watched on Facebook or anywhere else? Yeah, so the teams are submitting a lip sync contest and we usually do a lip sync in person and it's a lot of fun. It's so funny watching them. Um, I believe, what team was it that in 2018, they were amazing. The team that won, I believe their videos on Facebook. It was so good. I think they did the lip sync to single ladies and they had dressed up and they did a dance. It was amazing. Um, but the lip sync Team USA filmed ours at the Youth World in um, August. It, <laughs> it was so much fun just doing it and being able to interact with the team in person. And um, I love seeing all the teams post on Facebook, just doing, filming the videos and they're getting to like hang out with each other and they're just having so much fun doing it. Um, and then, so not only do we have the lip sync, but we have a scrapbook contest. And basically we want to see what the kids did like to be on the team and how they planned and just to get to know them a little bit because we don't get to do that in person. The art challenge, um, one person can submit a picture, drawing, anything they can come up with, any artistic piece that they want to include. And I mentioned the patriotic freestyle before and how they can do any class. It can be on any horse, it can be on your own horse. You, dress, you can dress up, you can have your whole team in there. It's up, for them, up to them to be creative. So you've also mentioned that you yourself were supposed to be part of Team USA this year. Can you talk a little bit about what events you were going to compete in and, and what you are doing to represent Team USA for this year? Yeah, so I was chosen to be on Team USA for the Youth World Cup. This year was supposed to be held in the Netherlands, but with COVID, they canceled it. And so we decided to do the virtual event and we kept our team because to be chosen to be on Team USA, I mean, it's a process. You have to have two letters of recommendation. You have to submit the horses you've shown in the past two years and all your points. And um, so I was supposed to ride this year, and I filmed the trail, the horsemanship, and the reining for the virtual youth world cup. I actually filled the reining today. Nice. Um, and, and how many? Um 
members are allowed to compete in each event. I, I want to say there was a certain amount that people had in the regular show. Is that the same or what are you guys doing for that? Yeah. So at the regular youth gold cup, there could be three riders in each class, except the cutting, the reining and the hunter saddle. And I believe the trail as well. And so with it being virtual, we opened it up for three riders for each class and teams can be up to 10 members. And we really opened up everything. So normally there's only five riders and five leadership, but this year, all 10 members of Team USA can ride. Just because if like we have a rider that couldn't act as a horse, we didn't want to be like, oh, the other four riders need to do this. Okay, so you said you were doing the trail, the reining, the horsemanship, and what else? That was it. That was it. Okay, so do you you obviously compete in those? You're a TCU equestrian. Um, but, well, I guess you're a freshman, so you really haven't had the opportunity to compete. I'm, or, Well, you guys are probably competing now, right? No, our fall season got canceled this year, but our spring season, we have a ton of meets planned. So I guess I can't really ask you the question if riding on the team has helped you prepare for something like this because you really haven't got to experience it to that level yet. But I'm sure, you know, being able to go in and ride other horses like you do on the um, the university stuff has got to help you get ready for something like that. Yeah, we spent the semester riding the school horses. And I mean, the horses have been donated. They were donated for a reason, whether mentally soundness wise doesn't matter but um those riding those horses have helped me a lot and really developed my ability to ride and for the virtual you both cups you're not allowed to ride your horse so I was getting on another person's horse and I was doing the pattern and I filmed the horsemanship in the trail um with my trainer Robin Fred and I used Andrea Foss's uh, I'm American made for the horsemanship and then um, laziness for the trail. Awesome. Um, and so I know both of those horses. I, yeah, those are great horses to be able to compete on. That's awesome. But, um, how do you, how, how do you go about showing someone that you don't own the horse? Was there a process that you guys had to do to make sure that people weren't, I mean, I'd hope, you know, uh, based off the honor system that somebody wouldn't be using their own horse, but is there a process that you had to go through to prove that you're riding a different horse? Yes. You have to submit your horse's papers and your AQHA membership or your country's membership to Michelle and Michelle went through and was verifying because we didn't want there to be an issue where say, someone won and it was on their horse and then the teams were like oh that's not fair we didn't want that to happen and so michelle's been verifying to the best of her ability i mean the it's been hard getting all the information from some of the countries i'm sure michelle normally has a tough job you know doing all of the entries and doing all of the stuff with the youth world cup but it sounds like she has a few extra jobs on her plate this year to do all of the things so i'm sure that you're really thankful to have her on your side and she was more than happy to help help the youth kids I'm sure but you know shout out to her for being able to help you guys throughout all of this yeah we could not do it without her for sure she's done a lot in planning this so can you um let our our listeners kind of know where they can learn more information or follow along I know that you guys have been posting a lot on the 
Youth World Cup Facebook page introducing all of the different team members all over the all over the world, really. Um, is there a way that people can follow along? And then um, you said the Keeping It Real show is going to have the live event. So we'll be sure that to try and share that on our page so people can follow along there. But um, where can people kind of follow along as this progresses? Really, the Facebook page has been our main platform. Don has been in charge of posting and about all the teams and everything that's going on and all the non-running events will be uploaded to the Facebook page. We were talking about doing um, a website. We're still in the process of getting that organized. And as soon as, if we do end up getting it organized, we will post it to the Facebook page. That way people can access it. And I mean, the writing videos are getting uploaded to YouTube, but once they are open to the public, they will be posted on the Facebook page. So that's been our, the Facebook has been our main platform and you can find it at the AQHA Youth World Cup. And um, I forgot to tell you guys, there's, if you want to learn more information, I have done an episode with the Keeping It Real show in end of August, I believe. And Michelle recently did a couple weeks ago, she was on the show talking about the virtual youth world cup as well. Yeah, that's actually where I um kind of found out that you guys were doing it virtually. I I was in the all around events for almost twenty years, but I've kind of stepped away for the cow horse stuff recently and hadn't been following along. And and so I was really glad when that popped up on my newsfeed because I think it's it's so great that you guys are able to um kind of change, you know change lanes and, and still keep it going, even though you guys couldn't do it in person. So, um, we'll be sure to share all of that information. Um, and then maybe do like a little write up on our website so everybody can learn more about it. Um, but be sure to go on, check out the Facebook page. I love seeing all of the posts that you guys are doing that introduces everybody to the different riders. You know, I love that you guys are giving everybody a little shout out and, and just a chance to represent their country. Um, even in the midst of a pandemic. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here and, and helping break down a little bit about what's going on and, and um, give people something to enjoy while they're stuck at home. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I've loved being able to share it with everybody. And I hope everybody has the chance to look at how great of an event this is. Thank you guys for tuning into the ride podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at aimmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. How many stars, Michaela? Five stars, please.